Hello, News Hit listeners. Today is Wednesday, February 6th. Normally on this show, we discuss the top pot stories from the U.S. and around the world, and, well, we'll get back to doing that tomorrow. But today is February 6th, which is Bob Marley's birthday. So what we've decided to do in honor of the occasion is dedicate this episode of the News Hit to Bob. Now, what you're about to hear are excerpts from an interview from Free Weed that Danny Danko and I did with Roger Steffens, a renowned reggae archivist, author, and friend of Bob Marley. Not only does Mr. Steffens know just about everything there is to know about Bob, he was also fortunate enough to spend some time with him over the years. And in this interview, he was kind enough to recount some really interesting behind-the-scenes insights. So if you're a fan of Bob Marley... You're not going to want to miss this. The original interview lasted something like a half hour, and if you want to hear it in its entirety, it's available on iTunes. It can be found in episode 18 of Free Weed. As I mentioned, what you are about to hear are just excerpts from that larger interview. So give it a listen. I hope you enjoy. I was living in Berkeley, and I found a copy of catch a fire. When I put it on, I was hooked from the first notes of Concrete Jungle, and the next day I saw The Harder They Come and bought the soundtrack on the way home, and my life changed forever from from those moments. On the survival tour in 79, that was his last tour of California. I spent two weeks on the road with him. He was was very quiet. He was a watcher. Uh, He commanded uh, the attention of the room, no matter how many people were in that room, of course. They all reacted to uh, whatever mood Bob was in. Um, the most disciplined person I think I've ever met in my life. I mean, he was always the first person on the bus, and the last guy up at night and the first guy up in the morning. All those cliches you've heard are, are true based on my own you know, personal witnessing of it. And uh, he, he cared about people. He cared about the audience. He was the least superstar-like of anybody I've ever met on that level and uh, open to, to fans. I mean, I remember in, in late 79 when I was with him, he walked from the sound check at the Roxy, where he had played three hours all by himself, all the instruments by himself. And, and the first hour he kept singing something over and over again about redemption. <laughs> uh, and then he walked three blocks down Sunset Boulevard to Tower Records to sign autographs, uh, you know. Uh, a superstar would have taken the limo, even if it were only three blocks. And, and Bob had no pretensions like that at all. And just a, a warm and, and loving and concerned guy. But he was, you know, despite a lack of formal education, he was really an intellectual. Bob was a man of ideas. He was always talking about the broadest picture, about how to change the world, and about how Selassie was the answer to all of mankind's problems and the one love philosophy was the only way that the earth would survive and that's a, a philosophy that that uh, appeals to herb smokers in particular because bob was a constant uh, smoker I'm, I'm often recounting in my life of bob marley shows the fact that at the millennium the new york times uh, bob marley was the most influential musician of the second half of the 20th century and the man for the first was Louis Armstrong, and both of them were daily herb users. Uh, I asked him once about herb, and he said, you know, it is very important to understand that herb is not to be used simply for jollification. It should also be used for education. That is its primary purpose. And uh, that, uh, by that he meant it is the way he unified his spirit with, with his oversoul or with 
God or whatever jaw, whatever word you want to use for the the overlighting spirit, and and that is how he communicated, and that is how he channeled his songs. And there is not one single anthem that he wrote from Exodus to redemption song to jamming that was not inspired directly by his conscious use of Jah Holy Herb. And uh, you know anybody who's, who comes up to me and says, "Ah, wasn't he just a, a stoner who was?" stoned all the time and just lazy hanging out. No, it was the utter and absolute opposite of that. He, he worked harder than any three men and paid the price with an early leaving. But he knew he was going to die young. He told people in Delaware in 1969 when he was 24 years old that he was going to die at 36. He was a, a danger to the political establishment. They tried to kill him, in fact. Um, and he was diagnosed in 77. Yeah, when they discovered the melanoma and the toe, big toe on the right foot. And he never, you know, he didn't go back for the regular checkups he should have had. Bob did that last show in 1980 um, on September 23rd. After the two New York shows on Friday and Saturday, he was jogging in Central Park with Danny Sims and other people from his life and uh, collapsed on Sunday afternoon. And, and ultimately, the doctors told him he had three weeks to live, so get his affairs in order. And instead, he went to Pittsburgh to do one more show. Now, I've argued with the band for many years over this because I, I think it's because he didn't want to go down in history as having done his final show as opening act for Lionel Richie and the Commodores. The Whalers don't don't agree with that, but I, I kind of think that's the reason he did one more show. And and when you listen to that. You know, you don't see any flagging strength and total command of his powers. It was his generosity that people in Jamaica most often speak about. His business manager, Colin Leslie, told me that Bob supported 6,000 people a month. Lives depended on, on that check each month from Bob Marley. He, he existed for his people. His life, as he said himself, was not for himself, but it was for his people. So he he was something from another world. We, we don't see spirits like that on the planet more than once or twice a century. He was the artist of the century, the most important, most influential musical artist worldwide in, in the entire 20th century. All right, and again, our thanks to Mr. Roger Steffens. Very kind of him to spend some time with Dan and I. If you're interested in listening to the entire interview, go check out episode 18 of Free Weed from Danny Danko. You won't be disappointed. And you can find additional Bob Marley content on HighTimes.com right now, including interviews, rare photo shoots, and much, much more, so go check that out. Tomorrow, we return to covering the top pot stories from the U.S. and around the world. This has been the High Times News Hit. I'm Mike Hughes. (laughs) 